Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, Seabass will join us as he does most every week. We've also got an added bonus for you at the end of this episode. As you know, we are part of the 440 Podcast Network, which is put together by a good friend of mine, Braden Gall. Braden has shows that span all of Nashville sports, one of which is the Fringe Element. And on that show, he interviewed New Vanderbilt General Manager for Football, Barton Simmons. You can hear about half of that interview at the end of the show. I would encourage you to subscribe to the Fringe Element podcast again on the 440 Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts and other places where you can download podcasts. You can hear the full interview with Braden and Barton there. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Seabass appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 20. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Got a little bit of news spanning the three sports we cover. In football, the Commodores have finished with their freshman signing class on National Signing Day, or at least we think we have. Uh, We will talk about that in today's show. On the basketball front, the tip-off time for Saturday's game at Georgia has been changed to 5 Central. In baseball, the final major poll is out. The Commodores ranked third by the coaches in their preseason college baseball poll. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. How are you today, my man? Oh, man. <laughs> How am I today? I am living the dream, sir. Living the dream. How you doing? Uh, just the same here. Let's get into it and hit some football. Um, you probably got a chance to hear Clark Lee's press conference yesterday. What was your takeaway from that? 
I'd like the press conference. I'll accept that first guy that asked a question. I didn't care much for him. That jerk. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Where was your beautiful face, man? All I saw was the name Chris Lee. Oh, I had to I had to set up on our couch and was getting ready to get the kids off the bus at any moment, so I just um I mailed it in a little bit. Mailed it in. Well, uh, you know who didn't mail it in was Clark Lee. No, he did not. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, man. You, I mean, if you're looking for a guy to, you know, rah rah you to death, I don't know if that that that's going to be your guy. I, don't, I mean, I don't know that he's the guy to say, look back, the boats are burning, you know, and all this other stuff. But holy crap, dude! I mean, I get it. I get what people are talking about uh, when they talk about, uh, you know, what a what an impressive orator he is. I mean, he just, I mean, he doesn't hesitate, does he, Chris? I mean, he, he, he knows what he has to say and he, and he delivers it eloquently. And it's, you know, I mean, I, he's not up and down and all over the place. He's, he's, he's matter of fact, but not dry. Uh, you know, and I get it. I mean, I'll just tell you this. Uh, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed now. You know what? Hey, that, this is all well and good. You got to win football games at the end of the day, but just from the foundation that he's laying and the message that he's sending, I mean, how could you not be impressed? I mean, anybody that's listened to him, how 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 could you not be impressed? It's fashionable to pick on Derek Mason, and I'm not here to do that. But my goodness. It's a lot different in press conferences with him than it's been for seven years. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's no question about it. You know, Coach Mason shined when he was at places like SEC Media Days. I mean, he really won a lot of people over places like that. Um, you just, you just feel like I mean, you you, you see, you, you you see Clark Lee going the extra mile, uh, taking, you know, doing some things that we're not really used to and the way that he's hiring his staff and some of the positions uh, that are there, bringing in a guy like Barton Simmons to be the general manager, if you will, uh, you know, and just, I mean, it, it, it looks like a guy, Chris, who's very meticulous in his planning, who has an absolute idea of what he wants to his program to look like. And I, I'll tell you what, I thought one of the posters last night on your, on your site, uh, I thought they just hammered it absolutely right. I, I think they, they phrased it perfectly. Uh, and, and, and that's was, they said, I, and I may mess the words up just a little bit, but they said something to the tune of Clark Lee looks and sounds to them like a guy who's been preparing to be a head coach for a long time now. Yeah, I think that's well said. I don't know how it's going to go for him. I mean, it's a tough job. We all know that. But I think that's my takeaway, too. He sounds like he's got an idea of how he wants things done. It sounds like he's got a lot of specifics. And again, just not the takeaway that I have had in past years from the previous staff. So does it, uh, do you feel a little bit of a, uh resurgence a little are you energized a little bit about being able to uh to to i'll say just dive back into that but uh you know it's such a 180 from what you've been dealing with you know in in that football program are you a little bit excited about that 
From a professional standpoint, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the basketball and football programs have just gotten to a point where they're impossible to cover, right? I mean, people have probably noticed we don't do as many podcasts as we used to because drawing from the material, it all ends the same way all the time, right? And and that's no good. Well, I it, mean, you, it did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, football is going to change, but let's also be realistic, okay? Okay, what does that mean? Let's hear it. Well, they've got a big mountain to climb. I, again, the last we checked, the talent level over there was not very good. Now, there is a conscious emphasis on their part that they're not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on that. And I respect that, and I think that's the right thing. But there's no guarantees, right? I mean, you've seen plenty of coaches who turn programs around that it took them a good two or three years, occasionally more, to get traction. And so I don't think it's unfair. In fact, it would would be unfair if I did anything less. I think it's fair to mention that a coach can be doing a good job and it could take a couple years for much to show uh, because I think that's the hand that potentially he's dealt. So let's get that out there. Maybe not. Maybe he pulls James Franklin year one and this is a lot different. But I think it's fair to expect there's going to be some difficulties. But the thing I've said is as long as you feel like there's a process and hope and a plan in place – and a work ethic there, and a way to get there, and a method to it all, that's a lot different. When your team is going 2-10 and 10 or whatever they go this fall, uh, but it's under a coach who's back for a 5th, 6th, 7th year without a winning season and without a change in a lot of things, that's one thing. If you have that record under a new coach who is bringing in good recruiting classes making good coaching hires, all the things that go with turning things around, you could have a couple of crummy years, and particularly at a place like Vanderbilt, without needing to have results as long as people believe in you. I think there's going to be a belief in him, I think, just based on the way that he carries himself that I think will carry him a couple of years. And and again, it's for all the reasons that we would say after listening to him speak on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, uh, that is certainly one way to frame it. Uh, there, there, there's no doubt. Another way would be to do a couple of things here. First of all, and I'll take it back on some of the things you said, but uh, I can also look at it like this. Uh, because, you know, that's one thing that I've always – there, there's – Remember what I said one time on a podcast a couple months ago, there's not much more better for business or much more fun to talk about than a good old-fashioned coaching search, which is the truth. Uh, but there's also there's also something to be said for the rebuild itself. Now, you could come come back with, yes, but we're perpetual rebuilding. Um, and, and, and there's certainly validity to that, but here's what I would say. A, I think we can both agree that this looks a little bit, looks and sounds a little bit different. And not only that, uh, it's not just about the, the nameplate on the head coaching desk. There have been some obstacles recently, which I think, in fact, I know you, but I think most of us uh, would consider to be obstacles in, you know, the higher ups personnel who are no longer there. Uh, and you tell me the last time that we had a chancellor that you truly believed 
the way that we do in Daniel Deermeyer in regards to athletics and their desire to, to be competitive in that. He's made that quite clear. Uh, I think he's establishing an order, and it's something that we haven't had before. So I, I think that while, yes, we are in here, some more rebuilding, it's a little bit different, not to mention, even, you know, when Robbie Caldwell left the field for the last day, you know, that last game, and, and James Franklin took over that first game, he didn't have a built-in, ready-made, fantastic young quarterback like Clark Lee's going to have. Or a backfield that features a guy like, well, I mean, we did have a good backs back then. But now, you know, bringing in guys like Davis, you know, and Patrick Smith, and we've already got Keon Dueling uh, uh, Brooks, uh, you know, there's, there's a blueprint here. You know, there's a little bit more to be excited about in my mind than just the rebuild itself that we've been through many, many times as longtime Vanderbilt fans and people to cover them. Uh, there's some variables here that weren't in place that makes me think this is a little bit more than just being along for the ride for the rebuild. That's how I see it. I had a friend who called me today and just said, look, am I crazy to have some optimism for a while? And when we talked through it, I said, no, I don't think you are. I said, it's kind of like, let's say that you go to a doctor and every time you go, well, you have cancer, and this is what's going on, okay? Well, let's say you go to another doctor and you get a second opinion, and they say, hey, hold on a minute. This may not be cancer here. Um, I, th- I think you, you get a little of a bit of excitement just about the fact that there's a possibility that that burden might be lifted from you, uh, and I think that's a, a, a way to look at it right now. I think people are just happy uh, that, that there might be an alternative, and, and I think that they are – doubly happy that it looks like a, a guy who, you know, whether it succeeds or not, but at least has a plan, right? Right. Do, yeah, do we know yeah. what the plan I, I, was I under Derek Mason? I'm I'm just thinking about this now. No. I, I mean, I, I still couldn't, couldn't really tell you what the plan was other than try to beat people with a 3-4 defense, which became pretty obvious that it was not going to work from day one. Right, and that's why and that's another reason why I say there's a lot more room and reason for optimism here, because it looks like it looks like again, off the surface wise, that we have a guy who's going to address every single facet and aspect of this program from the ground up, you know, leaving no stone unturned. I mean, we're about to play head to head with Alabama. No, come on, be real. Uh, but I, I expect results. Uh, I, I expect to get results when you are as detail oriented as he clearly seems to be, uh, you know, I'm, I, I am optimistic. I am now general. You might say that I'm optimistic by nature when it comes to this program. Anyway, some cases you could be true about that and some not, uh, but you have to admit from the top down from, 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 uh, from the academia side of things, uh, which is generally a place that we are uh, butting heads with, there's still a long way to go. I, I don't dispute that comparatively to our 13 brethren, but hey, you have to admit, Chris, this is as close as we have been to being on the same page uh, and and all pointing in the same direction that I can remember. I mean, I, I don't think that, that Clark's going to have to hijack these folks. If we start seeing results, you know, I, I, I think that 
you know, I think Daniel Deermeyer is showing that he is 100% serious about our endeavors to be, to be, and not just good at sports and good at football, but to do it the right way, build it the right way with the right type of people. Uh, you know, it looks to me like there is a, that there is a real concerted effort to turn what has been basically the laughing stock of power five football uh, for the most part, especially in this conference uh, to remedy that. And I just, you know, even, even when James Franklin was here, I still felt like it was him, you know, that program against the world, you know, that they, they did some things because they felt like, you know, well, we'll we'll see what this is like, but that they didn't really want to do it. Uh, It looks like to me surfacely, that the higher-ups in Vanderbilt want this. Now, I know that's not everybody. I'm not stupid. I know that's not everybody there. Uh, but, you know, the people that that we need in place to, to, to have that mindset seems like they're there, you know, and that, that starts at the top. So, I mean, all I can say is from a rebuild mode, uh, I, I'm hearing a lot of the right things. Now, there, you know, yes, we all want – we want numbers. We want dates. We want – blueprints for facilities and and i i want them too and i agree with that i know clark is saying we're going to focus on us first and because that's all he can do you know really uh at this point and i i think that he can deliver that but i think that the people that that you know that are making promises and, and and saying the right things it's it's going to be incumbent upon them to deliver too and i and if somebody does want to trust that i totally get it i i really do but I don't know, Chris, this just seems different this time. Give me your thoughts on the way they finished the signing class. On, on the way they finished the signing class? Well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, I think the only thing that we're really looking at right now is, is Aristotle Taylor going to take the PWO at Stanford or come to Vanderbilt, you know, and one, and I'm just going to make the, make or break this class one way or the other. And are they going to find sustainability in a kicker somewhere, but the ability to hold this class together. And I want you to think about something. I know I was, I was listening to somebody talk about the, the, the rankings and they say, yeah, well, you know, Auburn and South Carolina had to go through coaching changes. Oh, so did we, we've got much better class, you know, at least ranking wise than they do. And we went through it, and we went winless. We won zero games and went through a coaching change. And I, th- I think uh, I'll, I listened to your podcast with Sean uh, from yesterday. Was what the the third ranked uh, recruiting class since Rivals has been doing that for Vanderbilt. That's what on he the said. heels of a winless on the heels of a winless season and a coaching change. And the only two people you lost was AJ Campbell and Jack Beck. And and look. It wouldn't have mattered. Let me tell you something. It wouldn't have mattered if Vanderbilt went ten and zero. The second LSU offered, he was gone. That's and if it wasn't going to be LSU, by the way, remember Chris, people like Texas by then had offered. It was just a matter of time. Ain't got nothing against that. It, it is that is what it is. AJ Campbell, the only other defection. Everybody else stayed, and even all the guys who didn't decide uh, to put pen to paper in December. <laughs> I mean, they had to hear the right things. They did. I mean, Michael Mincy, you know, Michael Mincy put pen to paper, and we don't even have a linebackers coach yet. Now, he may know who it's going to be. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But that name's not in place, you know, not officially, unless you know something I don't. 
No. You know, I, I mean, that, and that's kind of what I'm talking well, about. Well, I take so that back. I, I think finished, I think they named one this afternoon. Uh, now that I think about, it. I think that in fact, I think that well made it to way the board literally just before we came on the podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, because I knew I knew about uh, Lamar Morgan, but I have not seen uh, in, in regards to who the linebacker coach is going to be. I'm checking that out now. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, it's it's fresh for some people hearing this for the first time, but you're right. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt that name. John Igarugwu uh, is, I, I'm not here to say that, but it's its the Buffalo, according to Pete Thamel, uh, Vanderbilt's hiring Buffalo Bills assistant linebacker coach, John Igarugwu, who brought six combined years of NFL experience between the Bills and the Ravens. Uh, and apparently he's, pretty good and the coaches and they hate to see him go so well you know i mean now one thing i will say about this staff it's got some nfl flavor to it doesn't it it does yeah so i mean and i think now the only other thing that i'm uh i'm not sure about is uh the special teams coach from syracuse uh was it lustig i think it is uh is he going to be the wide receiver coach as well slash tight end coach his mentor is going to be safeties. I know. I know that much. Uh, and uh, but I, I, I wasn't sure about wide receiver coaching. I, I think it's the special teams coordinator. Uh, it's David Rye. That. I'm not 100 percent sure of it. Uh, David Rye. The lusted coaches tight ends. Rye's, okay, so Rye is going to be OC and coach wide receivers. Correct. Is that what you're telling me? Okay. All right. So, well, I guess then that, what, that rounds out the staff then, doesn't it? With Lamar Morgan being hired as the, the corner, as the corners coach, uh, that, that, I think that wraps it up. He was hired, well, what, the 14th? Clark Lee? He being Clark Lee? Yes. Uh, I don't remember what the date was, Chris. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember what the date was. Well, anyway, uh, before we hit the mailbag, because there's some more right. football questions in there, any more optimism about basketball with the win under the belt that wasn't there last time we spoke? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, look, if I'm going to criticize them when they just walk, you know, just kind of sleepwalk through a game, yeah, you got to give them credit uh, when they show up like they did. You know, they've had a couple narrow losses that could have been victories, but I really, really like the way they played uh, against South Carolina. I mean, they, you know what, Chris, they, they took control of that game early and they held it the whole time. I mean, there's slight little runs here from there for South Carolina, but they never wavered. And, and, and tell the truth, Chris, watching that game, I, I guarantee there was part of you that thought, okay, when is it coming? You know, it's coming. I know it. When's it coming? I didn't really do that, you know, and, and, and i tell you what, I, it's, and it's funny because I love this kid. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite players on the team. Uh, and we have seen this in his career when he gets hot, he's tough to deal with. I just, I just, man, if we could get more consistent play out of Maxwell Evans, when he's, when he's confident, man, and wants that basketball, I mean, he's an explosive player. Don't get, we all know about his leaping ability. Uh, but when that dude is on, hey, man, he doesn't need but a sliver. You know, you give him a, uh, you know, just leave a little bit of room, and he will bury you from the outside. 
You know, it was really, really good to see that, you know, and, and, and some of these younger guys starting to come together and, and getting in the system. Now I will say this, there's one guy and look, I know it's been tough and, and playing time's been an issue and health has been an issue, but, and, and maybe I'm seeing this wrong, but I just, I really thought that having Cleavon Brown back was going to be a big feather in the cap of this team, but I just haven't seen the same Cleavon this year at all. And I don't know if that's me, if I'm seeing it wrong, but I, it just it just doesn't seem to be there this year for some reason. Uh, no, I, I don't see it either. He's, he's a non-factor at this point. But to answer your question, I thought that when Carolina cut it from 17 to, I think, two with about – three, four minutes left in the first half. That's when I thought, okay, here we go. Here it comes. But then, just like that, they answer with the run of their own to open up a comfortable margin at half, and I don't think it ever got below a dozen in the second half. No, I mean, they they just they stuck with it, and they kept going, and I, and I, I was very impressed by the effort. I mean, look, when this team – uh, gets cooking. They can put points up, and they're not a great defensive team. They don't. I don't know that they have the personnel to be a great defensive team. But when they're on, they can score. They can put the ball in the bucket. And I'm gonna tell you something, man. You know, I don't know what history will say about him in regards to you know, the grand scheme of things. But Scotty Pippen Jr. is such a talented basketball player, Chris. With that ball in his hand, he just he knows how to facilitate. I mean, nice is could he be more consistent at times? Yeah, sure. Uh, but I just love, I just love, it seems he just sees on the offensive side of things. He just sees the court so well. He, he, he really does. And there was a couple of plays there. There was a cut to the basket. Not, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was the right baseline cut. Chris, help me out with, it. I know you saw it and they finished for an N one. Uh, and it was just a beautiful pass. I don't even know how he saw the cutter. Uh, but I feel like his court vision has really picked up a little bit. And uh, I, I just really like to watch that dude with the basketball in his hand. I don't know about you, but he's he's fun and he can create. He's an NBA player. I don't think there's – I don't care if his last name was Johnson. He, he is an NBA player, no doubt. The key stat for him, I think at Florida he gets, what, 32, but he has six assists and six turnovers. South Carolina, he goes for yeah. 23, but it's 7-1. and one. And I really think that's when there's a difference with this team because I think he's always going to get his points. But when that ratio is a great one like it was, I think that's when they are in the ballpark of getting a win. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, think, I, I think that's spot on. And, you know, I mean, injuries have hit the team a little bit, obviously. Um, but, you know, and, and – let me ask you this. Your dream five for this team, and I say your dream five, but when is this team at its max 100% best when the following five players are on the court? And, 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 and you know, look, this is – I'm not saying we play positionless basketball, but, I mean, it's, it's not nearly as uniform as it used to be, so maybe you have two guard, point guards on the court at the same time. But when is Vanderbilt – personnel-wise, on the court at its very best, in your opinion? Oh, man, that's tough. Of course I mean, it's tough. Obviously, it's to Pippen and DeSue, and after that, it's I, – I don't see a lot of separation between 3 and 11 or 12. I mean, if, if Evans is having a good game, then 
yes, of course, he's in there, right? Okay. But that's been right, – so he's played two really good games this year, the first and the last. I mean, I would say probably Trey Thomas. And, man, I I don't know. I mean, you can get lightning in a bottle with Jordan Wright about every fifth or sixth game. But I mean, it's it's. But you know what you're going to get with him? You're you're going to get you're going to get kind of a lunch pail guy. You know, it's never going to be beautiful. It's never going to be aesthetically pleasing. He's not smooth as silk. You know, but he he, he clocks it in and puts his hard hat on and and and, and you know and and he just. I mean, it's 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 not pretty to watch, but you know when he when he's on, uh, he can be tough to deal with as well. He's a frustrating guy to cover. I, I think he, you probably have to find you he he has to find his way in there somewhere into that top five. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue for them is from three down. None of those guys are getting minutes on another SEC roster you know, outside of the the other ones that are going to be playing on day one in the tournament. In other words, you take the bottom four teams, some of those other kids can play, uh, maybe get some minutes on the team, but anybody outside that group, I just don't see those guys playing anywhere else. And that's why when he asked me the question, it makes so hard because it's just like, I, I don't think these guys are SEC rotation caliber players. It's, you know, if you get a night where, you hit it hot to borrow Derek Mason term, then you've got something, but I think that's just kind of where they are. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'll say this. I, I, I really, I, I think with miles duty, I like to see him play even more because I think he has an upside that some of the others on from three, from four to 11 don't have. It's not there yet. He hasn't realized it yet, but I, I see that potential there. I, I would try to cultivate that. That would be one of my guys too, probably. Yeah, let, let's go this one, okay? Let's go Pippen to Sue Evans, just because he can occasionally give you that game and he'll defend. Uh, Studi probably won too because you've seen flashes of shooting. And then, I, I mean, I don't know. If, if you get Cleavon Brown back to anything like what he was than him, but we haven't seen it. So, I mean, just throw a dart for the other one. I mean, again, maybe you can go Thomas, the other- but then you're really small, right? Right, I think it's got to be Jordan Wright then. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just again, it's a it's a tough yeah, task. I say that because well, but you can get something. Out. We haven't seen much of, of anything out of Cleveland Brown at all. You know, so I mean, Jordan's still going to get in there and you know mix it up a little bit. So I, he, he would probably be that other guy. And I, and I like Thomas too. I I still want to put I still want him put on another fifteen twenty pounds, but. Uh, the the basketball prowess is certainly there. Well, if you go Thomas, then you're going what? True height, Pippen probably maybe six one. Thomas five ten, five eleven. Evans six two ish. Then you're looking at you know Dassault six nine, but not really a five. I mean, he's having to play it because it is what it is. And then uh, again, fill in the blank with your fourth that that's. Or Studi would be in there. I think he's about six six, genuinely. Um, and and then again, whoever. But I mean, you're small. Isn't if you go small, you're not the only team in the country doing that these days, right? I believe yeah, I've I lost agree you. With you. Okay. Yeah. 
No, I'm here. I'm right here. Shall we do the mailbag? Do you have me? Yeah, I've got you. Yes, we shall. All right. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call Josh today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about him on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Mr. Vandy says, what do you think of the last two offensive assistant hires? The last two offensive, and I'm I'm – very sorry. Uh, one of the, the one of them's the offensive line coach, right? Cat from from Wyoming. Uh, yes. You know, I, look, hey, you and I both know I I, I was really a Pete Rosamondo fan. I mean, I, it seemed like the the personnel liked him, and, and and I mean, good grief, I don't know how you really could have gotten more uh, result wise than he did uh, from that offensive line. But you know, um, if I understand correctly. Uh, the new coach is one that's uh, worked. Uh, he's, he's worked before with either worked for or, or played with him uh, with, with Coach Rye. You know, Coach Rye knows what he's looking for, and uh, dude has a pretty good reputation. So, I, I mean, I'll just say this to you: I, I, I like the construction of the new staff. I, I do. You know, I, I really do. Some of them, you know. I'll, I'll just say this. If you could have put a blackboard together and projected who, and, and tried to fill them out, I don't think you would have got too many of them right. But I haven't seen a whole lot of them that just says, God, what a stretch. Who is this guy? And I know a lot of people got cut off guard by Coach Rye being hired as the OC. But, you know, I mean, the the, the, the people that he has, has worked with, from a pers- player personnel to coachings, uh, and some some of the biggest names in the game of football, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I'm willing, and you know, I mean, they seem to be really excited about him. So I'm willing to give that a day in court. And who was the other uh, offensive assistant in the last bit? Was it Coach McKenzie? I think McKenzie was next to last in. It seems like. Okay, well, you know, I mean, it's it's Norval McKenzie. You know, I mean, I, I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, he did a great job at Louisville. Uh, it's great to have him back home. Uh, he's well respected. Now, let me let me say this to you. I also like Tim Horton, you know, and I and I I don't think that Tim Horton did anything to lose his job. You know, uh, Brooks was amazing this year. I think we got much more out of the running game than we were ever really expecting to do. Uh, you know, so I don't think Tim Horton's not here now because of the job he did or didn't do. I just, this is, he's just the, the victim of, you know, a new staff coming in. Let's see. Vandy fan 96 asks, Seabass, any class of 22 or 23 football prospects you really like? Also, thoughts on Clark Lee and staff offering a higher tier of talent thus far compared to what Derek Mason did? Well, I, first of all, for the hiring, uh, excuse me, for the the offering of of, of top left level prospects, I have no problem with that. I, I mean, that's, I mean, you know what, you know what, a, a, a buddy of mine was telling me a story uh, one time. He had he had a lot of success with the ladies. He wasn't the best looking guy in the world by any stretch of the imagination, and he had a beautiful girlfriend, and. Uh, 
it was it was amazing because he still uh, he was it, it wasn't about this one excuse me this story wasn't about his girlfriend it was about his buddy who had a beautiful girlfriend and it was way out of his league uh, but they were together for a couple first years but happy and everything and and my buddy asked him one time or asked her one time he went to the bathroom or something like that and uh, they were at a restaurant or whatever and he asked her about it and she said she gets this all the time and she said do you want to know why? And she, she said, so you want to know why I'm with him? And he said, absolutely. And you know what, you know what she said? Because he asked. Wow. Because he asked, you know, you know, because he asked, which is way out of his league. If you go by looks, because he asked, you know, I mean, they're not, these kids are going to come begging us, you know, Hey, we have a lot. Look, let me tell you something. I don't need to explain this to any Vanderbilt fan. We, this school has so much to offer, but we haven't found anybody who can truly articulate that the way that it needs to be. You know, but now I shouldn't say that completely because this class, as Sean aptly put, is Derek Mason's last class, and it's a pretty darn good one, all things considered. But with the new potential on the horizons for this school, and I guarantee you they're telling them that, and they're, they're laying some of these plans out for these kids, you know, about what they're expecting, about what this is going to look like. Having guys like Barton Simmons uh, being part of this thing, retaining Javon Hay, there's a lot of excitement here. No problem with shooting for the moon. Shoot for it. You can't shoot. You can't hit it if you don't shoot for it. You know, now we're going to get some good football players. We, we, we do every year, you know. But uh, the message seems to be a little bit different. Uh, it's probably going to be delivered a little bit differently. We got a staff full of guys that have been in the NFL. We got a young staff. Uh, I mean, I look. I, I have no problem with that. That's now. Look, are we going to be a top fifteen class? You know, and sign seven, eight, ten, four stars? Maybe. I, 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 I probably not. But, but maybe. You know. And then I like what he had to say about the radius around that university. You know, making, uh, what do you say, five hours, Chris? Is that what it was, if I remember correctly? Um, yeah, making that a priority. It should be, you know. I mean, there's a, there, look, I, I understand. People say, well, Vanderbilt recruits a different player. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. If this was 1986, okay. But things are different now, you know. And, and a lot of these kids, you know, the dumb football player thing is, is over with, I think. You know, and look, uh, we're not going to go toe-to-toe with Bama in recruiting either, but there's plenty of good, solid SEC football talent uh, that Vanderbilt can get on its roster. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, so I got no problem with them shooting for it because oh, they can't say yes if you don't ask. Ann Arbordor asks, for me, does Clark Lee have a bigger support staff than Derek Mason had if so, what support staff does Clark Lee have that Mason didn't? I don't know the answer to that. I would have to probably go back and dig up a media guide or two from past years that it don't have in front of me. You know, I don't know that it's about as much the number. I mean, you can put 20 people on your staff uh, like Jerry Stackhouse did. It doesn't mean that <laughs> they're very good. Uh, I think it's more to me about the quality of the guys, right? Um, and, and what right. I hear so far, I think the people he's added are quality. 
so to me, it, it's that, I mean, and, and by the way, look at what the league's doing. I mean, Kirby Smart has taken a page from the Saban tree. If you didn't see it, Georgia has now made Will Muschamp an analyst. So, I mean, you know, look, it, these schools are, are making former head coaches and coordinators analysts, and the guys that, that Vanderbilt's getting, not saying that they're not any good, right? That's that's not the that's not the point I'm trying to make, but it again shows you a little bit of the gap uh, between them and the rest of the league when when a Georgia can just take a Will Muschamp and say, "Hey, come join our staff." And by the way, you're not even an assistant. But th- that aside, I mean, you know, from what I know of the people he's bringing in, I mean, Barton Simmons. Uh, Casey Stengel, people like that. Smoke Dixon has got a pretty good background. Uh, Taylor Sarles has got a pretty good reputation there. I mean, I, I think that these are solid people, and I'm not sure that with all of Derek's, um, I'm not as certain that was the case. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, now it. I mean, he hasn't gotten the first 2022 commitment. You know, I know the question was a minute ago, who do you like there? Still so early in the game. You know, hadn't really started on the 2022 class yet. But um, so we don't know until we start seeing some of the fruits of, of that labor. And it's early. Uh, and, of course, things have changed recruiting-wise when you can do this. And it's hard to get people on campus, so it's impossible uh, these days. So the things are different. Deadlines are going to be different. I don't. You know, if it's going to be one of those cases where we still really cook in June, uh, the way we used to, it's always a big month for us. So I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, those initial returns. Does he, you know, start off with a bang? Does he get a big, cl- a big commit to build his class around? You know, uh, how many quarterbacks will he go after? You know, will you build around a quarterback? You know, all these types of things. It's, it's yet to be seen. But you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, Smoke Dixon. Barton Simmons, Taylor, and guys like that, guys and gals like that. I mean, it can only be perceived as a positive right now. But like I said, we haven't, you know, we haven't gotten the commits to see just exactly how he's going to do. But I mean, I'm liking the foundation, and you got to start there, right? Yeah. And with that, let's see. Estelle three asks, do you know who has come back to play offensive line? I don't know. I would suspect that a lot of those kids that opted out, but didn't hit the transfer portal will be back. Uh, but I have not gotten a response on request for a roster yet. I think that they are probably going to sort through some things in the coming weeks before they want to release that. But that is my educated guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, just a couple of names that I would like to see, uh, you know, odds back in like Cole Clemens and Jonathan Stewart, certainly two names uh, that come to mind. Uh, you know, what would really help the Commodores a lot is if the young man from West Virginia uh, is, you know, if he, I mean, big dude, ain't no doubt about that. Uh, if he can be a contributing factor on this team, uh, and then maybe a couple of those young guys. Uh, you know, that were, that were red shirt freshmen last year that needed to bulk up and put a little weight on. Um, and I'll tell you something else. Now I never, never really ever want to count on a true freshman offensive lineman, uh, in the Southeastern conference. That's not to say that they can't play because they can, and we've seen it happen before. Uh, but man, I'll tell you one thing, 
One thing that I like about this class, probably more than anything, in fact, not probably, I know so, uh, is I like this class on both sides of the trenches. You know what I mean? Defensive line and offensive line. I don't see a reach. I didn't see a reach, you know, and that offensive line has got some beef to it, you know, you know, Pickford and Castillo and, and, and some of these guys. Uh, I, I, I really, really like, I don't know that we'll see uh, it bear fruit in 2021, but I won't be surprised if in two years uh, we got two or three starters from this class on this offensive line. And really to say the same for the other side of the football uh, in, in the trenches. I think this was a, I mean, let's just face it, Chris, you and I both know this. I'm not going to break news with this, but if you're going to compete in this league, you got to have some dogs in the, in, in, in the mix, you know, in, in you know, in the trenches. And I think they got those out of this two, out of this class on both sides of the football. And Arbador asks us, what are your thoughts on having dual coordinators in the run and pass games? Football's different now, Chris. I just accept that. I mean, I, I, you just have to accept that. I mean, you know, here's how I'll look at it. I mean, if I've got somebody that can truly emphasize and focus on one particular thing, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off of, of both of those, you know, and concentrate on one thing and do it well. And you got another guy in place to do the exact same thing. It, is it a little unorthodox? Well, it used to be, but that's, we're starting to see that a little bit more in football. I'm If this was six years ago, five years ago, I'd have to say, come on, man, find one guy, uh, and, and get the job done. It sounds to me like you can't find one guy, so you got two halves to try to make a one. I don't see it that way, Chris. I, I, I don't see it that way now because I think that, 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 that it's, it's starting to trend in that direction. So that does not bother me. At one point it may have, today it does not. What about you? I haven't given a lot of thought. I mean, if you've got a way to skin a cat that works for you – that's all that matters, yeah. right? I mean, I don't really care how you do it. I care that it's successful. I mean, to me, logically, it, it probably makes more sense to have one person more dialed in on one aspect than another. Uh, whether it makes a difference in wins and losses, I don't know. I, I guess I really don't have an opinion on it, but we'll see how it plays out. Okay. couple more this one coming from Glacial Pace. Thoughts on the impact of Susan Wente's departure and anything broader it indicates about Chancellor Daniel Deermeyer's leadership? Hmm. I, I'm, I'm just devastated to see her go, Chris. Uh, I know I'm personally losing sleep. Um, I just too many people that I trust uh, – view this as, as a positive. I have nothing against the lady personally. I don't. Uh, but I, the people that I believe in think that that is a positive for this university ac- athletically. And that's all I need. I have been hearing for months now, I was hearing this early in the fall, uh, that the chancellor had come in and figured out his leadership was a mess at that school. Uh, and you see some people who were gone uh, one of them, Susie Stalkup, went quickly. I think that was April or May. That was one of the first changes he made right when he got there. Uh, but she was another one that I was hearing uh, that 
maybe he was not very impressed with her. I, I think that had she not gotten the Wake Forest job, uh, I don't know that she would have been the the provost next year. In fact, I'm I'm pretty confident she was not going to be. I was hearing that he had told her, uh, go find somewhere else to work. So from an athletic standpoint, I, I think it helps a lot. I mean, just getting her out of the way. I don't know that she was anti-athletics, but she was not going to lift a finger uh, to push forward. I think Susan Wente was a political animal. Um, I think all Susan Wente cared about was the political aspects of jobs and uh, what the what the AD looked like and, and what boxes that checked. And I, I don't know if that extended to the women's basketball coach, but uh, perhaps there too. I, I just don't think Susan Wente was anything in the way of a positive for athletics. Uh, you know, I think I've said on the podcast before, uh, from someone who was in a meeting with her, she had asked about investment for athletics and whether it was a correlation between that and winning. Uh, as somebody put to me, I bet she never asked that question, you know, about dorm rooms and, and making the school better. Mm-hmm. Uh, point, point being, I don't think that she saw the value of athletics. I don't think she lifted a finger to defend it. I think that she wanted to make sure. I think it's more politically popular there uh, among the faculty to whom reported to her uh, that athletics stayed in its place rather than progressed. Uh, and I think that was a big point of disconnect between her and the chancellor uh, from what I have gathered. So or among, yeah. I don't know if it was the only one, but I think it was one of them. I, I think, uh, you know, my response and, and boy, you should have seen the text I got. Uh, from some boosters and people uh, on the inside. I mean, it was all just unanimously good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Mm, you know, and when it comes from that many, and when, and when it comes from that many you know, angles, if you will, there's so, there's got to be something to it. You know what I'm saying? That's it, not everybody's getting that wrong. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, of, yeah, of course yeah. there was something to it. Let, let's look at what happened. Okay. This time a year ago, I think it was this week a year ago, Malcolm Turner was supposed to be unveiling plans for facilities, right? Uh, th- it was supposed to get board approval. This was supposed to be a formality. Um, here we sit a-, a year later. Nothing has changed other than some starting renovation work on the locker rooms uh, and a change in an AD that she wanted for her reasons, and here we are. Well, that is, that is one way to look at it, but I think it's more than just that. I mean, uh, yes, surface that 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 is true, but I mean, surely you can sense that 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 real change is afoot. I mean, as you mentioned, two very big obstacles are out of the way, and as you said yourself, even if the the Wake Forest deal doesn't doesn't happen, there's a very good likelihood she's not there. It wasn't because she decided that she was looking for something new in life because they recognized somebody has come in and take over and there is a new direction that doesn't exactly jive with what I've been doing and the message I've been sending out. You know, I mean, it is, I mean, to me, it's, it's absolutely clear. And now, yes, I agree. Things have to change and there are still issues that we face that many schools are not on the best. So if you're, if you're, skeptical in the least i totally understand but you cannot refute the fact that there are real changes that uh, we've been clamoring for as, as a fan base and as uh, not just that just i mean no 
really everybody, been looking for for a long, long time. I'm, I don't want people looking at us with pity anymore when it comes to athletics. And I, I think that's about to change. No, the point I was making was towards the Wente end of things. Like, in other words, if you want to see what Susan Wente's influence over athletics looks like, uh, just look at the fingerprints from that. I mean, I think that if Candace Lee doesn't have her support, uh, she's not the AD, right? I mean, Candace spent a lot of time uh, in attention with Susan, uh, you know, to, to suck up to get that job. But my point is that, yeah, I, I do think things are changing. And I think that Susan Wente, you know, maybe it's not fair, right? But I just, I, from what I know, and how little she supported progress and, and how much she either, I don't know if allowed or enabled is the right word to go there. I mean, if nothing else didn't stop the undercutting of athletics, um, you know, again, uh, I think the fact that the chancellor uh, is going to have a new provost next year is a sign that things are moving in the right direction. And, and I just didn't see Susan Wente as anything but a negative for sports. And I agree with that 100%. Okay, last one that I've got to get out of here. Vandy always asks, how do you feel about losing a San Diego Padre Vandy boy to the Pittsburgh Pirates? That, of course, being Drake Fellows. He was traded in the um, – which deal was that? That was the Joe Musgrove trade. The Musgrove trade, yes. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yes. Uh, How do I feel about it? Uh I love Drake. You know, I love the Drake. I love the Drake. If you don't love, no, if you don't watch Seinfeld, you're not going to get any of that. Uh, but I mean, with, with all the love of the world to Drake fellows, Drake was not even a top 30 prospect in the, in the San Diego farm system. And Joe Musgrove, I mean, Hey, he, is she an ace? No, but you tell me how many teams are going to run out of four that's better than Joe Musgrove. You know, I, I love it. Uh, good luck to Drake. And I think Drake will have a, a much better chance to, to, uh, to, to get there and, and, and maybe crack the rotation eventually. And maybe who knows, Chris, maybe he'll, uh, he'll get to, to, to play with Brian Reynolds, but, Oh, I, I couldn't be happier about it. it. He helped put the back end of that rotation. That's already fantastic. Uh, I mean, I'll just say this to you. I will take that rotation and put it up against any other rotation in all of baseball. So if it took trading a Vandy guy to help make that happen, I'm all right with it. I forgot I've got one more question. We'll get to this quickly. Then again, I've got to go. You got to go. I got to go. Theodore 8. I couldn't find it for a moment. Seabass, you're pretty plugged into the UT fan community. How are they taking the hire of Josh Heupel? How many wins does he need to have in his first season before fans are itching to get him out of there? Hmm. Well, uh, to the second part of the question, 12. Um, it's been a mixed bag. You know, you have to understand something, man. From a sports talk host side of things, Tennessee fans have been very different than they were when I first started doing this. When I first started doing this, they had just won the national championship. They were tough to deal with, you know, uh, as I guess a lot of teams would be. But these days, 
with the turnover, the road, you know, the revolving door, the complete and utter lack of success or stability of any kind for years now has taken its toll on them. I mean, and, and so I'm not telling you that they come with hat in hand, but I think the realization, and especially the further away you get away from East, East Tennessee, uh, there's a realization that they are not what they think they are or what they thought they were or what they want to be. And a lot of them, a lot of them have basically felt like Danny White's, who I love the Danny White hire. Uh, I, I think a lot of them uh, initially felt like that he was just, you know, throwing hype a bone. Uh, but then I think they realized, look, yeah, they reached out to the Campbells and maybe the Napiers and the, and the James Franklins of the world. But the fact is with uh, impending potential sanctions, you know, and, and everything else that's been going on and the way that fan base has acted in the first place and the way it all went down with, with Shiano and stuff like that, I, I think a lot of them, have come around to the fact that, you know, they, they don't swing the big stick that they used to. And they re- recognize that now, don't get me wrong. Some of their, some of them have still been the same way and they think they're going to win it all next year and all this other stuff. And Hypo's the answer. The only thing, and I don't hate the Hypo hire, but I do believe they settled. I mean, I mean, I don't know how, uh, and I think they had to, to be honest, Chris, I mean, they weren't getting these other coaches and we're going to get them. Now I don't know about Chadwell, you know, how that was going to work out or whatever, if he, how much, uh, you know, interest they threw his way. But the fact of the matter is Chris is that after Josh Heupel took over in, in Orlando, I mean, look now, and don't get me wrong. I mean, he's what, what was his record? 28 and eight or something like that. Lost eight games in three years. But here's something that's not debatable. In those three years as head coach, his record got worse each year. And I know it's only three years, but this is the SEC. This is Tennessee, and their expect, their expectations are to play with Florida and Georgia and get into the into the SEC championship and wield the big stick. And they took a guy who got who took over a team who went undefeated and in three straight years had a worse record. I, that would not excite me. That that just would not excite me. It's not to say that he can't get the job done, because who knows? Maybe he does. Uh, but, yeah, they settled. Of course they settled. I Did you hear anybody else beating Josh Heupel's door down? Uh, no, not that I was paying attention to who was, but let me ask you one thing as we close. In my opinion... Tennessee would have been better off to wait a year, see what the future looks like in terms of probation, let the aftershock of that settle in, let Danny White get settled in, then go find a coach. And, and maybe you, you pull the thing to where you, you fall on the sword, you start your probation early, and then say if it's three years or whatever, then that's one year down the road. So the next guy takes over next year and it's only two years of probation under his watch. To me, I think if I were Tennessee, because I know how toxic that place has gotten and how crazy those fans have gotten and all the reasons that they couldn't attract the coach they wanted right now, 
To me, it's still an SEC job. It's still got a lot of support and resources. I would have waited a year. Let Kevin Steele be the head coach for a year. That also saves you a little bit of buyout money. Uh, Roll with it and then hit the reset button in the year and find your real guy. Is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I I don't think it's crazy at all. But, you know, look, I'm not going to hold the the record – for with Kevin Steele at Baylor, uh, all that much against him. That was a an impossible situation, and it was terrible, you know. But if what we're talking about is a year to repair your image, you know, to to get some stability, because look, I mean, and I think even Kevin Steele would realize and understand. Of course, he's a Tennessee guy. Uh, that you're the head coach, but this is not our long-term solution. We need you to be uh, that stopgap. You're our, you know, you're our get the hold for us. You're our eighth inning guy. Uh, and then next year, you know, bring him in. Maybe he keeps you as a defensive coordinator, and we'll, we'll certainly talk to him about that. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have a huge, huge problem with that because now, you know, now I, from what I understand, there's a chance that it's not a done deal that he's gone. But I think they're what about to pay. They were about to have to pay him a million bucks for two weeks. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> not do, I'm not doing anything now. I mean, I, I, the latest I've seen is that it's not a hundred percent certain that he's gone. But let's just say he is, and that guy is a Tennessee guy. You imagine that million bucks, two weeks, didn't coach a single game, not even a practice. You know, and a guy who has proven himself to be uh, a very adequate defensive coordinator in the Southeastern Conference. You know, now you got to let your head coach pick who he wants on the staff, and I certainly understand that. But can you imagine that? I mean, that's just a (laughs) – it's not funny, but it's just – it's kind of – I don't want to say that it's so Tennessee these days, but they just – I mean, they they have got to find a way to get – I mean, let's just face it, Chris – Florida and Alabama and Georgia are not their their problem. That's not their biggest enemy. It's them. I mean, almost everything that's happened has been self, you know, self-inflicted, wouldn't you say? Let me put it this way, uh, and I'm not trying to just pile on, but if you just gave that script a year ago, said what SEC team is about to do the following, and started with everything that started happening in November uh, with – you know, the million other things that happened all along, firing the coach, bringing in an AD, all those things. If you said one school in the league is going to do this, what school would you have guessed? Uh, yeah, I think everybody would have had the same exact guess. Yeah, that's my, yeah, that's my uh, point. I agree with that. Yeah, everybody, everybody would. And they'd be right, by the way. Well, and with that, I really do have to go. I want to give you the floor to give your Twitter account, tell folks where they can find your show and all those good things. Yeah, thank you, Chris. You can find me on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass, and I'm on Monday through Friday, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. on 101.5 on the Cheap Seats in the beautiful metropolis of Jackson, Tennessee. Thank you, sir. Be good. You're welcome. Now, as promised, to end our show today, Braden Gall of 440 Sports interviews Barton Simmons, the new general manager for Vanderbilt football. Again, remember... You can hear the full version of this interview at Braden's podcast, The Fringe Element. Barton, great to see you, man. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you and I have known each other for a very, very long time and have done about 4,000 interviews together, but never quite like this. So first of all, congratulations 
on the new job. And let's take everybody through that process first, just real quickly. Tell everybody your new job description and what the conversations were like when you decided to transition from the media into the, the actual sports coaching side of things. Yeah, uh, I am general manager of Vanderbilt football. It was, it was, look, I mean, I think in terms of the transition to get to, to this, and, and, and I guess I'll get to the job description in a second, but uh, I know Clark Lee well. We've, you know, we grew up together, played college football together. I'm sorry, played high school football together. And we've always stayed, I mean, we, we're, you know, close. We've always stayed in touch and we've always communicated in terms of like how we see this recruiting stuff work. And, 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 and we've always been very aligned in terms of our vision for how to best build a program. And Clark has long been on the track to be a head coach. And he's long said, when I'm a head coach, I'm going to take you with me. And I've long said, good luck, man, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I kind of like my life. Uh, I kind of like my, my city. I kind of like Nashville and, and, and all that. And so the stars aligns, right? And he gets the job at Vanderbilt, a place that I've long had a lot of belief in and an affinity for in a town that obviously I love. And, and, and he is a coach that I have, you know, beyond our relationship, he's a coach that I have an incredible respect for and turn and belief in. And so he offered me the opportunity and it really wasn't, a, it wasn't a hard decision at that point, because this is something that is <clears throat> really invigorating and exciting for me in terms of being able to be on this side of it, execute a vision, be strategic about it and, and, and be invested in it, be invested in the people in this building, be invested in the players, this place, get to know these kids and, 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 and see them develop like that all like that, that's a rewarding side of this, of this sort of business that I've, I've been able to see and, and report on and observe and comment on, but like to be able to be part of that, to be able to build something and, 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 and just help build something like I couldn't be more excited and energized about it. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but your role in the media sort of always was a little bit of the gray area between the coaching and yeah. the football. You were on fields most of your career. You, you know, you weren't in, you know, in TV studios, although you did that too. Yeah. The, the question is sort of, I guess, how, how valuable do all of those other experiences you have make you unique relative to maybe your standard coach or your standard personnel guy, your standard ops guy that's kind of come up through the traditional ranks. And, and why aren't more schools looking at people like you and your skill set and what you can bring to a program? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think as much as anything, one of the things that allows this position to make sense, both for me and for Coach Lee, is the trust like we, I just don't know how many, you know, it, it takes to, to, to make that higher. There's got to be a really strong trust. Um, and, and, and I think that that, and, and on both, at my end too, like you, I have to really trust in, in the head guy. And, and, and so I think as we see this evolve and people continue to think outside the box, like, I think there's no telling sort of what, where this position goes and, and what support staffs continue to evolve into and, and that's what's kind of fun is, is there is an element of that and, and what's the way this building is being built and some of the people that are being hired in here, uh, a mental performance coach, uh, you know, 
the uh, has just been hired uh, in terms of a player development role, like just some of the different ways that this the support staff is being built out, I think is 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 part of what makes like it speaks to kind of the, the vision and in, in, in my role as well. It's just sort of look, we're gonna we're gonna canvas this thing at Vanderbilt football in a in a really comprehensive way. And I hope I hope that my addition is is beneficial, but I know just in looking at the other people walking in this building, looking at the, you know, us busting at the seams in terms of office pace, you know, th- this, uh, this thing is, is being built in a really substantive way. And like, that's what's, that's what gives me a lot of energy and enthusiasm and optimism about what's to come. Well, and it holistic is the term that comes to mind. Yeah. When you're looking at the development of a young man yeah. from age 18 to 22 or whatever, it, it's about a holistic approach to their entire life. H- how would you describe Clark Lee's leadership? personality I, well holistic is a great way to describe it uh another way a couple other things come to mind are uh substantive authentic you know this is not that like, he's never been a guy like, he is the same person i've known since we were in sixth grade and 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 that is one of the best human beings i've ever known but you know i, I say this i've said this to recruits this cycle and as, as, we, as i've been talking to, to, to kids is like you know clark has had 15 players drafted at linebacker position in 15 years as a coach. That's not because he's really good at, you know, line, like creating linebacker drills. It's because he is really invested in not what they are on the field, but in them as people. And I think when you are invested in someone as a person, that's when you can really pull the most out of them. And so, and I think that's the way we're going to recruit. That's the way we're going to evaluate. That's the way we're going to like, this is going to be a developmental program. People get in this building. They're going to get better. That has been a staple of coach Lee's existence. That's good. It's been a staple of the other coaches that are being hired in this building. And so, you know, with that, I think it's just couldn't be more like, you know, like optimistic about how this thing is going to operate because look, I mean, look, Vanderbilt is not, you know, there's not ever going to be a bunch of just five stars walking in the door at a place like Vanderbilt. So when they walk in the door, like we have to be confident that these guys are going to get better every day. And I think that that's what this program is going to bring, you know, to the city and to the SEC. That is our excerpt of Braden's interview with Barton. This will be the last episode of the podcast this week, but thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe at wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps. Check out our content at vandysports.com. Have a great weekend. We will catch you again early next week.